It is exactly 37 minutes after 8 o'clock. This is Metro FM Talk. I'm Tamingo Beni sitting in for Ayabong Atawe. What an engaging evening as we talk entrepreneurship, as we talk opportunities, as we talk now unemployment. You, you would have noticed if you were in with us earlier on when we started the show, we had a conversation with Upinda Mangoloti during our business slot. And uh, we, we spoke about SA's unemployment rate, which has jumped to an 11-year high of a whopping 29%. And uh, this has been record, recorded now in the second quarter of the year. Now, unemployment hasn't been this high since the first quarter of 2008, when Stats SA first started recording unemployment on a quarterly basis. Now, the last time that unemployment was higher than this was actually in March 2003. And at that point, it stood at 29.3%. But Stats SA did not measure employment on a quarterly basis at that particular time. Uh, this is something that the Statistician General Risenga Malulege uh, mentioned a bit earlier on. But to delve into this issue of the unemployment rate and its its drastic escalation, uh, we are joined by Yamkela Spengana, who is a social commentator, as well as development economist Undumiso Hadebe. A very good evening uh, to both of you, and, and thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Good evening, uh, Sister Tami, and thanks so much for having us. I love the way that you just sing in unison. Ngati, you've practiced this. <laughs> but perhaps let me start with you, uh, Yamgela. When we take a look at, at these stats, um, w- were you surprised by, by these by these figures? Uh, not at all. Not at all, because it's something that has been building up. Uh, the economy has also been shedding a lot of jobs. You will have seen over the past few months, a lot of companies have been retrenching people. Uh, big banks have been closing branches. Uh, big companies have closed down. So it's something that has been building up. Uh, it's not something that is uh, at all surprising because uh, the trajectory has been building up slowly uh, since about uh, 2000 and 2012 when we started having a trajectory of upwards uh, unemployment going to climax at this particular figure. Uh, and also, we, we, we need to break it down and say, we also have the extended unemployment rate, and we also have the unemployment rate that is broken down into racial groups that uh, we reflect some more gruesome picture uh, than what the 29% reflects. Because if we're talking among black youth, we're talking around 45 to 46% of unemployment, and that's uh, way more gruesome than the average uh, a candle packaged unemployment rate for everyone that stands at 29%. Ndumisa, for you, from the announcement of the of the stats report, what was most glaring for you? So I think uh, for me, data was a, a continued reflection of what the key economic problems South Africa faces are. And then in the main, those challenges are quite structural because when you look at the data where there were the most significant employment gains relative to the contribution, uh, GDP contribution of specific sectors, we saw, for instance, sectors such as construction, trade and agriculture, who, whom, according to the GDP, uh, they contribute significantly less compared to other sectors, but they had one of the highest um, or, or the most significant employment gains in the past sector. So what that, that, what that said to me was to say, look, one of the, the, the green shoots of the opportunities that lie in the, the not-so-impressive data that we received today 
was to really focus in on the more um, labor-intensive sectors that can uh, produce and create value and also um, uh, uh, enable us to be uh, competitive globally as well. And so this specific um, uh, data today, it therefore says or places a very fundamental and important question as to what exactly are we doing with human capital? In other words, what are we doing with our people that will enable us to achieve that kind of turnaround for, 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 this, for these figures that we saw today? Now, when we're talking percentage, um, 29% is high, but when we're talking numbers, what type of numbers does this translate to? 29% is about 6.2 million people that are unemployed. And when we look at the expanded definition, that goes up to about 10.2 million people. The expanded definition really includes people who are discouraged um, in looking for employment or for one or other reason are no longer actively looking for, for work. Now, statistically speaking, people who fall within that category are people who have been actively looking for work for at least a period of four weeks and, uh, and seven days within, those, uh, within, within that four-week period. Those uh, individuals typically fall within that category of discouraged um, uh, work seekers. Now, Yamkila, let's take a look at the, the areas or, or the industries where the highest employment losses were recorded. Now, these are places like transport, mining, uh, finance. Uh, won't you just talk us through those particular industries and, and what the, the bigger picture really is, a reflection of the status of those particular industries in our country right now? Well, you will realize that... Uh these, these particular industries are being affected uh, by, by different things. In terms of banking, we are moving more towards uh, what they call the fourth industrial revolution, automated banking, where you, you, you have branches closing down, but we have more sophisticated methods of banking that include uh, uh, digital tellers that are going to work uh, around the banking, the apps and everything. So big banks like the Blue Bank close down, uh, and we trained about 1,500 people. Then in mining, uh, especially in the gold industry, you've had a lot of shutdowns that have been that, that have been going on in terms of the depleting mineral resources that are happening in that specific industry. And we've seen players like Anglo Gold Ashanti exiting a lot of their staple uh, shafts uh, in, in in the Valley area in the Carltonville area. So it simply shows a sign that uh, we are moving to a place where even in the mining, the people who are going to be investing are going to be using, relying more on robotic mining than they will be on uh, physical uh, people who will actually be doing the mining as mine workers. So we have this industry that is actually now moving also towards what they blanketed the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, but uh, it, it overall reflects these industries as completely uh, changing in terms of how we have viewed human capital before, and then the country is standing at a point where we have to reskill these people to be able to put them in other industries that are still uh, able to accommodate uh, uh, employment. I think that it's where we need to look at small to medium enterprises who are going to naturally absorb employees as they grow as businesses, and the more we invest there, then we'll be able to absorb people who are losing jobs in these big industries that are changing phase and looking more at like increasing their balance sheet through not losing a lot of a lot of loss to wages uh, and uh, increment uh, as terms uh, are going on.
I, I understand the changes within the financing, the banking sector, the mining, etc., and the resultant job losses. But what about a sector such as transport? What are the dynamics that have affected that particular industry? Well, transport is, is, is a sector where we're talking logistics, we're talking uh, shipments. And as, as, as people then uh, come into a different automated transport, uh, inventory is, is being uh, transported in different ways, uh, then we realize that the bulk of the, of, of the contracting that people have then uh, no longer is the same because how we are going to be doing logistics currently, uh, career work and so forth is not going to be the same as it was done beforehand when uh, you had everything being done by a specific career company that employed a lot of people. The digitized career, Uber subsidizes the career as well where it has drivers. Uh, and uh, these market trends are actually pulling away from how we traditionally had inventory and goods transported around the country. So it's cutting a lot of jobs as a result. Now, Ndumiso, as a development um, economist, we're talking here about the fourth industrial um, revolution. We're talking here about robotics. We're talking here about market trends, as, as, as you've been uh, mentioning earlier on. Now, these all seem to be inevitable movements in big industries and in big business. So instead of looking at the job losses and exclaiming how huge they are, it doesn't look like there really will be a turn in that situation. If anything, it's most likely to get worse because industrialization is going to um, you know, continue, uh, development is going to continue, um, automation is going to continue. So where then should the focus be to ensure that South Africans are actually able to to live and, and sustain themselves and also to meaningfully contribute to um, our economy and our society? In other words, where are the opportunities? Sister Mia, I think the opportunities for South Africans uh, and for Africans across the, across the board um, are, qu- are, quite, are quite significant. This is primarily because uh, of where we are located, number one, in South Africa. Yes, um, industries evolve over time. The structure, the conduct and performance of industries do evolve over time um, um, with, with technological advancements and with evolutions um, that take place in specific industries. But you find South Africa where that is located on the tip of the African continent with uh, the rest of the continent that is by and large relatively underdeveloped um, in specific pockets. So from, a, from the perspective of uh, rail and road network um, um, integration between regional uh, communities and, and, and uh, from Cape to Cairo, for instance, where there, there's opportunities for growth uh, via um, creating connectedness between different regional blocks. We see um, the East African community doing that quite well, not only from a road and infrastructure perspective, but also from the soft infrastructure perspective um, in terms of data and the connectedness of, of, of information and the connectedness of people. So there's significant opportunity there. But I also think that uh, in addition to the, 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 the technological advancements from a developmental perspective that come with the fourth industrial revolution, there are also opportunities from the second and third industrial um, industrialization phases that the world has gone under that exist in, 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 the, African, in the African context. For example, some of the minerals 
um, that, that we currently have, whether it be platinum and in manufacturing of steel, that would uh, play an integral part in building the infrastructure, the road networks, the plumbing um, and sewage systems, and the new buildings that would be required because of uh, increased industrialization and activity in the rest of the continent in areas where it has been relatively underdeveloped. That that places a significant amount of opportunity for South African firms and other firms across the continent as well because of that uh, lagging um, um, uh, level of, of development that, that, that we're currently in. And so for those reasons, there are significant opportunities and there are much larger markets. I mean, in, in SADC alone, there, there's over 100 million uh, population uh, of people, which is a market that South African firms and South African SMEs can access, not only through uh, going there uh, specifically but also through um, online businesses, as it were. And, of course, the recent development of the, uh, the Gazette that has been gazetted uh, to just this, uh, this week with respect to the auctioning of Spectrum, specifically um, in, in areas where there is high growth potential in, in South African marketplace, that, pl- that places another significant opportunity for, for South African firms and for the South African economy as well. Now, Yamkela, we spoke a little bit earlier on about the fourth industrial revolution as well as the other advancements uh, that that are populating and characterizing our world today. When we look at the skills base in South Africa, do you believe that there is a match between our education output as well as the, uh, you know, to these economic opportunities that are now presenting themselves? The the reason why we have job losses because of the very fact that uh, the, the, the skills the skills match is not there, we need to actually reskill our populace uh, to be able to grasp these opportunities. Because the more the so-called fourth industrial revolution takes over various industries, it creates employment. But the employment that it creates is not sitting here; it's sitting somewhere in Shenzhen, in China. It's sitting somewhere in the U.S. In somewhere in Europe, where the software is being developed, uh, the, the embedded chips are being developed, uh, and all all these systems are uh, the mechanics that are going to be taking part uh, in this so-called fourth industrial revolution. And the only way we can partake effectively and ensure that our populace actually benefits out of it, that if we reskill them so that. Instead of us buying things from the U.S., importing software from the U.S., very own populace can be able to develop all these mechanisms, maintain them, and therefore we would be then creating more jobs out of the jobs that would be lost naturally to evolve in, in the way the industries are being carried out today. With that factor you know, not being put aside, what about the declining state of the economy and its impact on the type of stats that we saw released today? The decline, it, everything is linked. So the economy of South Africa being in decline also contributes to all the job shedding uh, that has been taking place. I mean, we've seen uh, a big companies uh, exiting. We've seen uh, the biggest company in the JSC actually uh, going on to, 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 to list in a foreign market primarily. So uh, the, the, the shrinkage of the economy will also contribute to rising unemployment with the retrenchment and everything. Uh, that is going on because a growing economy has been shown to actually create more jobs. We studied the Chinese economy as a developing economy over the last 30 years and we've seen that uh, congruent to its growth, that was 10% per annum for the last 30 years, it has created so many opportunities for Chinese people. It took out 860 million out of poverty by giving uh, 
those people opportunities to play within the economy. So we cannot uh, discount the impact of a shrinkage in the economy and the outcome of uh, the, 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 the rise in unemployment that the country has has come to witness. Mm. It would be quite interesting, though, to to look at and to analyze the, the the pattern and the flux. That yes, jobs have been lost, but is it because these jobs have been absorbed? They are now redundant, or have they been taken on or filled by other individuals elsewhere who are not South African and thus then contributing to the the, the increased rate of unemployment? That would be a really interesting study to to, to look at. But Dumiso, um, I'd like us to look at the fact that the NDP has said that 90% of jobs should actually be coming from the small business sector and they've set a target for themselves saying that by 2030 this is what the landscape, the employment and the small business landscape should be looking like. Is this something that's doable? Is it something that's possible? Well, it's certainly something that that, that is possible. Uh, there are other nations across the globe that ninety um, percent uh, of their labour contribution is as a result of the SME sector, and, and and that's where that target from the National Development Plan comes from. But I think there are also quite a number of of, of constraints um, that uh, SMEs are, are are faced with, and, and one of those is uh, the the idea or the question of access to capital, um, the, the, which is one of the the significant constraints in terms of being able to source capital either for uh, working capital, which is bridge finance, um, or expansion or growth capital, and the terms under which um, that, that capital is accessed, and what are the requirements um, that, that typically um, um, uh, would be expected from financiers from, from, um, from, from SMEs. And I think it also is, it links quite, um, uh, quite importantly to the work that your previous guests uh, actually does with respect to the, the People's Fund, creating alternative finance options or tools or instruments for, for SMEs who are unable to access um, uh, financing in, 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 in the marketplace. And so it, 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 it's doable in that sense. But there's also work that has already been done in the public policy space, and that's specifically with respect to the, to the Youth Employment Tax Incentive, where with the data that has come out from, um, uh, from SARS with respect to uh, the, the categories of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, peoples, um, that uh, take leverage of, of that particular opportunity, you see that it's SMEs that have a revenue of, around, of uh, less than 10 million rand. But then you see that that's where, the, where human capital or people are required the most, simply because SMEs, particularly at that stage of, of maturity, um, where they're trying to reach a, a specific level of growth, they can't necessarily afford um, market uh, or, or competitive uh, compensation. But they're the ones who benefit the most from uh, youth employment tax incentives. And as a consequence of that, we therefore have to ask the question, what is it that can be done to support uh, um, uh, the taking up or the compliance by, by these SMEs who, who have a, an annual revenue of less than 10 million rand in using more and more of this particular tax incentive? And we'll see that, um, the, the possible contribution that that will have in the absorption rate of ensuring that more and more specifically young people, have access to work um, opportunities. As that is one of the, 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 the contributors to ensuring that people are able to enter the marketplace and are able also to stay within the, the labor market as well. Mm. Now, Yamkela, let's take a look at the fact that the Eastern Cape 
recorded the highest unemployment rate provincially, and that was at sitting at 35.4%. Now, it is a rural province. Is it generally difficult to create jobs in, in rural areas? And perhaps let's also look at the the, the propensity of creating small and medium-sized enterprises in rural areas as well? Well, because of the nature of, of the South African economy and uh, how we are as a concentrated economy, we have these big urban nodes where everyone uh, influxes to seek for employment opportunities and other participation mechanisms within our South African economy. Uh, rural provinces do suffer a lot from investment that can lead to generating employment. So uh, with the centralized economy that we have in the country, it's not shocking to have a, like a, a province like Eastern Cape uh, having high unemployment rate because it's mainly an agricultural uh, an agricultural province uh, with, uh, with big uh, agricultural output in terms of uh, people, but then uh, it doesn't absorb so many people. So now these people then will normally go to your Cape Town, they'll normally go to your Bloemfontein, they'll normally go to Johannesburg or your Durban to seek for employment opportunities because uh, the, those that exist in the Eastern Cape are, are limited. The, the Port Elizabeth, the Utenage, the, 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 the special IDZ uh, around the area where, where the cars are being manufactured can only absorb so many people. But the province itself has a high number of people in its populace and then cannot absorb everyone. So it's it's correlating to the structure of our economy and uh, it means that we really need as a country to look at decentralizing our economy and finding a way to have different nodes that will absorb people in industry and in other forms of employment that will actually be in line with what we call the fourth industrial revolution because when we look at a drive for creating jobs, we cannot see jobs that will be rendered redundant in any case in 10, 15 years. We should be looking at skilling people to be in jobs that will still be relevant as this fourth industrial revolution sets in and takes over the shape of how industry will look in the next 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, solution-driven there, decentralizing the economy, finding other forms of employment and skills and skilling people and for jobs for the future. That's a Yamgela summary there. Dumiso, your, your summary, what do you think needs to be done? What are the solutions? Sure, I think uh, there are quite a number of solutions that that uh, that, that, that we can undertake. Uh, well, one of the biggest ones is precisely what we do with respect to education outcomes and what we do with young people. Um, the average age of an artisan today is 54 years old. Um, in the over the past 10 years, um, in our fiscal policy framework, we've spent over a trillion rand towards infrastructure. So. One would assume, again, because on average per, per fiscal year, the state spends over 220 billion rand on infrastructure. So when you ask yourself the question to say, if the average age in South Africa today is 54 years old, listen, these young people are taking up artisanal work um, for, for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's not uh, uh, perceived to be a sexy occupation or whatever the case may be, but that is where, um, in essence, opportunities lie. We therefore then ask the question that who would be the guys who would be doing the, the building of, uh, of, of new infrastructure, plumbing, and other um, uh, steel uh, and manufacturing work. So there's a massive opportunity that lies um, in those specific industries for young people, given the spend 
that government has in those specific sectors because indeed government is the biggest buyer of goods and services in the country. Mm. So given that allocation of, 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 of spend in, in those sectors, that presents a massive opportunity for, for, for young people. There are young people that were studying at a TVET college in the East Rand who one was a boilermaker, another one an electrician, and the other one was a plumber. They, fought for the, they, they cooperated with one another and formed a cooperative business um, and they, they were able to secure some residential and, and, uh, and, and contractual clients as a result of that. And uh, uh, as part of a, of, a, of a master's study, we're actually looking at what remuneration that they have based on the amount of work that they have as a consequence of that specific industry, just to affirm this spending by government. And what we mm. found is that the average remuneration is higher than that of a dentist in South Africa today. Wow. So there's and I think, Kundumiso, we'll, we'll have to unfortunately mm. leave it at that for, for today. Time is not on our side. But I thank you both gentlemen for um, your insight and your contribution to today. Thank you so much. That's uh, Mr. Yamgela Aspengana, social commentator as well as Ndumiso Hatebe, development economist, uh, talking about not only the high unemployment rate, but also perhaps most importantly, the type of solutions. And I guess ending on a high note, it is noteworthy that there was a jobs growth of 21,000, and this was mainly in the areas of social services, construction, the manufacturing industries, and uh, driven by trade as well. So some good news. And and I guess if one focuses on what is working and creating jobs and skills for the future, it uh, looks a whole lot better than it looks right now. So that's about it for tonight for Metro FM Talk. I'm Tamin Gubeni sitting in for Ayab Wangatau. You have yourself a splendid evening further. Oh man, you're going to be in such great company, such great company. And I'm looking at that great company right now. And uh, he will be making sure that you are serenaded uh, from now, probably up until midnight. For myself, Tammy and the team here at Talk. Have a good one.